Welcome to the Human Conversation Podcast with Jules White, the real dragon slayer, author and entrepreneur sales coach. Tune in weekly for Human Conversation about business and sales. Enjoy business expert interviews, educational episodes and virtual cuppers with entrepreneur business owners. So grab yourself a cuppa and enjoy. Here is your host, Jules White. So welcome everybody to the Human Conversation. I've got a fantastic guest with me. As always, they're all fantastic, but this guy I love. Uh, We met on LinkedIn and Andy Barden from The Unconventional Boss, we're going to find out all about what that actually means, um, is with me. Andy, welcome to the Human Conversation. Thank you very much. Very pleased to be here. It's lovely to have a chat with you because, as I said, we talk on LinkedIn, but just usually through the conversation, text-wise, I'll comment on your fantastic posts and we'll have a little bit of banter. Uh, But that's about where it stops usually, which is such a shame. So this is awesome. I'm so, so pleased to have you here. Right, so I do tend to start my conversations with, well, what was it that you wanted to do when you left school? Because it's kind of a cool question. So tell us... What did you want to be? Okay, so nothing based on what I do now. Um, I left school, I stayed on at school to do art. I did product design for a year, then I went on to college and did two more years of that. Um, but between 17 and 19 at art college, with no teacher to tell you what to do or where to be at any time, that was just the worst thing for me in the world. We were 10 minutes from our local huge shopping centre, Blue Water. So uh, I just spent most of my day in Blue Water eating McDonald's and looking at things I shouldn't have been looking at. And I think I got to the end of that two year course and realised, because I was working as well, I was working in retail from 16, part time, earning quite good money. And I just got to the point where I thought this this working business and, and being in school and education and stuff just isn't for me. Um, and that that was evident in the fact that I just couldn't apply myself to it. I'd rather have been working and earning money. Mm. So, um, yeah, that, that went at 19. And uh, so my dream of being an artist or a designer went out the window with my two failed years of, uh, of college. And then I kind of stayed in, in retail for a bit after that. Um, and then I kind of got to 21, 22 and I had a decision to make. And that was, do I carry on being a salesperson in a really tough environment or do I pursue a management career, which I felt like I, I had something there in me that said, do you know what, that's, that's a route that you should take. And at 21, 22, you're still very young. That's really young to be deciding, do I carry on in sales or do I go for management? So that's quite, yeah. it's either very big forward planning or perhaps, you know, you were just driven within that industry. What industry were you in predominantly? Uh, well, it was electrical retail. So I was working for Comet right. um, before they obviously went, went under. Um, and yeah, I'd been there since 16. I'd done nearly six years at the point where I said, I've, I'm at a crossroads. I, I'd kind of, I'm tired of just the day-to-day selling, um, but I like the company. I love the people, and I just thought, you know what? This for me is is a progression. It's the next step. It's what I feel like I can add value in. Even at such a young age, I did feel that. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I'd probably grown up quite quickly because I'd kind of moved out of home at, at 19 and, and had to learn different. I mean, don't get me wrong, I went back. <laughs> that was a failure, a, 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 fa- a big failure. But at least I'd had a year out and, and had to learn to stand on my own two feet. So I just I felt like I was probably quite an old head on, on young shoulders, even yeah. at 21, 22. So and, and that was that. And I spent I was in I was in management until I was 31 in, in retail, in Comet until I was 31. Wow. Wow. That's, that's, that's a long time. And, you know, retail is very close to my heart, as you probably know, from the fact that my dad ran a shop, you know, for years as I was growing up as a little girl. So it was just, um, I think it's a, a passion of mine, retail, if I'm really honest, still, I still love that whole retail environment. And my business I took into Dragon's Den was a retail business. Yep funnily enough. So um, do you still now work in that same sector then, Andy? No. So at 31, um, an an ex-colleague of mine who was also a friend had left a year previous and he'd gone into a digital marketing company. He knew someone that knew someone and that got him in. And I think he got him because he's got all the chat. You know, the sort of people sell ice to an Eskimo type. And uh, he'd got in a year before me and there was only six or seven people in the business when he went there. And he called me up about two months before I was getting married that year. And he said, "Um, have you had enough retail yet? And I went, do you know what? I actually have. I've done it for 15 years. I've only ever really worked in in Comet. The hours aren't great. We all know that. Anyone that's been in retail, you know the hours aren't great. I'm about to get married. Obviously, you plan to have a family. Uh, he said, well, I might have something for you. It's a bit of a risk, but it's an up and coming business. It's still in, you're still selling, but you're in the digital space as opposed to the retail space. You know, Monday to Friday, nine to five, good commissions. I, I spoke, you know, spoke to my wife about it, who obviously wasn't my wife at the time. Um, and uh, we just said, look, if you're going to do something like that, do it now. While we've not got the kids, we've not got the big house, we've not got a big mortgage. And uh, I'm still there. <laughs> um I, you know i went and we we spoke and uh obviously the the idea behind bringing myself my the colleague that got me the job and we've actually bought two more comet ex-comet managers since then the idea behind that was as the company grew the md wanted senior managers in positions that already knew how to manage that knew yeah. how to build teams it's interesting though isn't it because you've got management of retail and then management of digital marketing i'm lucky to have been in both and so you know a bit like you really where you've had that experience of both now but was it really different actually being a manager in that different space it was i find i'm a much better manager now than i was 10 years ago but i don't think that's necessarily because i'm in digital as opposed to retail I think that's because I got married and had children (laughs) and I learned a lot more about people, patience. You know, before I was married, I was living on my own. I bought my own place. I was living. I just pleased myself. And I think when you live like that for too long, just on your own with no children or no partner or whatever, you tend to think that the world just revolves around you and that everything you do is right because no one's there to sense check it and then I got married 
and then I had someone there to sense check it and actually bring me back down to earth uh, a lot with some of the things that I do and did. And it really does open your mind up to the way different people think. And that changed the way I managed completely. So, yes, the sectors are different. Managing in retail was a lot more. It, it was tougher in many ways because the characters are very tough. A lot of the people people in retail perhaps were there as a stopgap. Sometimes they weren't necessarily bought in all the time to the journey of the or the vision of the company, especially if it was a big corporate, because often that vision didn't really get shared with the people anyway. So you were constantly managing people's behaviour that perhaps was quite frustrating at times because you knew they didn't really want to be there. Whereas in the digital space, I think, especially in our company, we've got a lot of people that are very bought into the vision because we share it all the time. Everyone's involved. It's it's so much easier. It's so much easier to be more effective, I think. I totally can resonate with that point And it makes so much sense to me, logically, you know, because this whole behaviour thing, behaviour attitude the fact we're also very different mm. you know and like you say if you've got somebody who's not really bought into business they're just there to get their Saturday paycheck it's a stopgap as you said so there isn't this kind of relationship and and that values-based relationship is there in that nope. in that relationship whereas like the guys you're working with in the digital agency you completely understand is it's just a different scenario I like yeah. that I like seeing that perspective because I think it teaches us a lot about people mm. and why you're enjoying it so much to be able yeah. to manage people who are actually invested you know just yep. emotionally if nothing else so yeah so tell me more so you've been doing this for how long in the digital agency so nine years now so I got married in the June and I knew I'd left Comet I thought right I'll, I'll do it all at once why not why not give yeah. myself that headache all at once so I left on the Wednesday, got married on the Friday, had two weeks off after the wedding, honeymoon and whatnot, and then two weeks started in the new job. Um, and that was in the July 2011. Okay. So it's been nine, nearly nine and a half years. Um, and obviously the, the plan was to put us in these positions as the teams grew. And that's happened. The guy that actually got me the job, he's now left. And there's two of us left that manage the core of the business uh, myself and, uh, and my colleague and we've got sort of 19 uh, 19 20 start I've got 17 he's got 19 and then you've got sort of other smaller departments within the business so it's it's grown as we predicted it would uh, exactly what they wanted to achieve has been achieved myself and my colleague are managing the process day to day within the business experience managers so that's worked really really well but as I say I've I think over the last probably five or six years, I've become a very, very different manager. My core is still the same. That won't change. Yeah. But in terms of how I, the things I prioritise within a management process has massively changed over the last probably five or six years. It's quite evident from just what you've said so far that you stay in these companies for quite a long time. Do you think that's a loyalty or what, what do you think makes you stay in a business for a long time? I think there is a loyalty there. Um, the the MD of my current company, the owner who started it, he he's always looked after me. I think he's always seen value in me and, and what I bring to the business. Um, you know, I'm not. There's myself and, and my colleague who 
who I mentioned before, who's ex-Comet, we, we could not be more different. He's very analytical, very numbers-based, very in amongst the detail all the time of the, of the stats and what's going on and problem-solving. Whereas I'm all about people. Mm. So if someone else wants to do all that stuff, that's great because it doesn't, it's not my bag. But I will, the, the people element, which for me, and we'll come on to that in a bit, yes. is always the, the bottom line. That's always the root of any challenges that are going on in business. For me, it always comes down to the people. Yeah. And that's, that's my thing. That's where I get my biggest buzz from. That's why we have connected. I truly believe mm. that because I think we totally believe that uh, it, it is about the people and that's where it starts. And I do that in sales. You know, I had a podcast interview um, which actually went live today and the guy was asking me about targets, numbers and, you know, my methodology. And I'm like, targets? Yeah, but they come if you look mm. after the people and you build the relationships, that, yeah. that comes, you know, my whole yeah. philosophy is that. And I know you believe the same in, in that respect. So look, I'm itching to find out what is happening next for Andy. <laughs> it, uh, <laughs> well, um, what's next is something that's been in the pipeline for a while. And, you know, the great thing about my boss is that I've been very transparent with him in terms of, what I want to try and achieve from on a personal level and that the unconventional boss project which I kind of launched about a year ago just as a brand on LinkedIn yeah just to give myself a bit of a, a separation from me as an individual and and what what is this and I kind of said to him that I now want to turn that into an actual business because I know there is a need for what I am offering in in lots of different businesses globally but if we just focus on the uk just for a minute um and he was completely okay with it you know the, the reality is i've got my guys to a point at work where we're super organized we're super structured they i've got some fantastic team members that know exactly what they're supposed to be doing for me the unconventional boss project is it almost just an extension of what i do day to day anyway yeah um just almost adding people into that team of 17 you know, junior managers that need that support that I give to my six team leaders that I work with every day anyway. I was going to say, how lovely is it that you've got a boss that you can just have these mm. lovely, transparent conversations with? That's, that's yep. really good, isn't it? It's, it's amazing. You know, he said to me a while ago, he accepts that I'm going to be honest with him and I'm going to, and I think he likes that. He likes that honesty. He likes that. He, I don't pay him lip service. But I have the utmost respect for him as a as a, a business owner, as a leader. And yeah, I don't I don't think everyone feels that they can have that uh, honest conversation with him. But I don't think that's him. I think a lot of people just don't feel confident in it themselves. So is the plan that you ultimately exit this business to be full time in this business of yours? There's no plans for that at the moment. My my goal for as long as I can is to have the two. And I'll tell you why. The, the business itself is basically me going in and supporting junior managers within businesses. Now, the reason there is a hole in the market for that is because so many companies, the MD or the owner has to release work. They release it to their 
whoever says, yep, yeah, I want to step up, I want to be a manager, I want to sort of whatever it, that looks like. And they release that job and they release that pressure and the, and the job list. But that person doesn't know what they're doing. They have no idea how to engage people, how to build teams, how to build structure. And inevitably, they either fail and bring the business down in the process of doing that. But you don't necessarily need someone in the business full time to be able to coach and mentor those people. Yeah. You just need it when they need it. And I think the reason I, I, I would love to run the two together is because what my day job does, it keeps me humble. It keeps me practicing every day new ways of engaging and interacting with my own team. Because if I stopped that, I wouldn't get that day-to-day interaction, that day-to-day practice with people that I know and understand, that I know will be honest with me about if I'm doing something wrong. So for as long as I possibly can, I would love to do the the two. Okay, so how are you going to split it then? You know, here's me, I'm going all strategic on you now, Andy, you know. How are you going to split the time, do you think? the, the, The two people that I'm working with at the moment, they completely understand that the situation that I've got a, a day job. So we speak uh, in lunch breaks. I'll, I'll use my lunch breaks. We speak after work. We speak at the weekends. They're very on board with the fact that I'm fitting it around something that's already, that's already in place. Um, and that completely works for them. You know, if someone came to me and said, I want to work with you, but you need to be available whenever I want, even if it interferes with your job. Unfortunately for now, that's not going to be for me Um, because I am very respectful of the fact that I have that job um, and a boss that is, uh, is brilliant really in the way that he handles things and the way that he allows people to go off and do their own projects. And I'm not the only one in the company that's trying to make, you know, do different things with themselves. And not only that, I never ever want to be accused of neglecting those six team leaders and the rest of that team. You know, they are super important to me. And if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be where I am anyway. So for me, it's it's finding that balance. And with, like I say, with the two guys I'm speaking to at the moment and working with, we've found that quite nicely. Um, and that works. I think realistically, I could probably work with three people at any one time, as well as doing my job. Yeah. I think the other thing to consider, which I know you will have thought about, is the, uh, the how it then impedes on your other, your work-life yeah. balance. And yes. You've got two yeah. children um, and your wonderful wife, of course. Of course. But yeah, I, there, there is definitely a balance point to this where you're mm. transitioning. And I think it's a great period for you to learn huge amounts about how you do want to move this forward, whether yeah. it stays as this three people that you work with alongside for forever it could but actually it might be as you say that it becomes a business in its own right which is exciting you know I think it is it is exciting I think if I'm being completely honest I didn't start it to only ever work with three people at once yeah that I know for a fact there would be no hard feelings within the business that I'm in um but at the same time, I would never want them to think that, certainly in the short to medium term, that I'm just going to decide, oh, do you know what, stop this, I'm going to, I'm going to go. Because I'm content building it while this is still here. Yeah. But 
who knows who knows who and I knows think, you know nothing ever stays the same Andy it, it no. ultimately that's really the way life is so there's there's for me there's this little air of excitement around it for you mm. you know but then maybe I am actually the maverick type if if you like with some yeah. of the things I've done I'm mental I think if I look back goodness me but I want to also just ask you about um you know there's a couple of things really that have always stood out for me about you and I talk about UHP your unique human proposition so you know you'll know about USP and how we were yeah. always told to sell the USP you know what makes you different oh my goodness Andy you have this amazing UHP in my mind which for the listeners as you know if you listen regularly it's about who Andy is and it's about who we all are as individuals we're all so beautifully yeah. unique so you yeah. do these amazing videos okay I just got to put this put this in there because that's how I first started to follow you I'd catch your videos on on LinkedIn and I'd be howling with laughter um, and just sitting there thinking, how does this guy make these videos? They're so cool. And you'd be playing two, if not more, characters within yeah. these videos. But always to highlight a really great message about leadership, actually. Yeah. So just yeah. tell us a bit more about the, the magic behind the videos, Andy. Oh, do you know what? The, the, the first thing to mention is, if anyone actually listens to this and then goes and looks at my LinkedIn feed they'll have to scroll a long way to see these videos because uh, videos for me, they were the thing that put me on the map, really. In, in LinkedIn terms, if someone said to me, what was the thing? What was the thing that stood you apart? It was those videos. Um, and I went through a period of four or five months where I was, I was scripting them. I was, I was kind of so in the zone with these videos. And but they, they take so long to edit um, and it was evenings. It was, and then as we've just said, there is only so many hours in the day and works a lot busier now than it was probably 18 months or a year ago when I was really doing those. But the idea behind them was, was to just do something that no one else was doing. It was, and I knew I, I, I kind of, if anyone ever said to me, if you could be something now and, and you had no one to worry about and it was just you, I would want to be an actor. Yeah. <laughs> I would want to be an actor. I, I, I honestly genuinely believe I could be a, a good actor. You could, definitely. Um, and I think that was almost a way of me doing that and getting that out. Yeah. But, but in a businessy way as well. Um, and yeah, some of them were were very popular um and i used to get a little bit down when i'd put a load of effort into a video <laughs> and it and it would bomb yeah. and i think oh no i've got to repost that i've put but far too much effort in the thing is that's so common for for us as business owners i think it, this whole kind of visibility piece how many likes and how many comments it yeah. is a really hard thing to yeah. deal with isn't it and linkedin's algorithms recently have definitely changed and yeah. my views went right down from what they were and i wasn't doing anything different in my yeah. mind yeah. you yeah. know but back to the videos honestly um now i do know that you've got them on youtube as well 
I do have them all on YouTube. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, so if anybody is thinking they have to flick through their LinkedIn feed, no, they don't. No, that <laughs> they is very true. YouTube. Very true. I should have plugged that. I, I did it for you. <laughs> completely forgot about that. Again, YouTube that hasn't been updated for a while, but it doesn't need to be. If you want to, if anyone wants to actually go and see those videos, I someone requested a couple of weeks ago for me to reshare. Uh, some of the videos um, and I reshared the one when the wife calls you at work yes. um, which seems to be the favorite that that was the one that got the most engagement on LinkedIn um, and when I look at them now like I've just bought myself a, a new microphone to do videos with um, and when I look at those videos now the sound quality is, is appalling like it's really echoey because our kitchen's quite big and it's got no curtains up or whatever and it's very echoey in there and but back then that didn't seem to matter it was more about the actual concept of the video yeah it's um, the concept and the message Andy and I don't even think it matters as much as we all think even now because I think well, probably you know it's about whether you are compelling it's about whether you are unique uh, you know, which is why I've mentioned it. I'll always remember you for those videos. That'll be that first thing I think about when I think of Andy. And that's a really good thing because it mm. made you very unique. And they're evergreen in my mind. They're very evergreen. Do you not? Yeah, I do. I could, I could go back to them. I could go back to them. I could find time in my, in my schedule and say, do you know what? And, and based on what you've just said and the fact that I, I have had people say to me, when are they coming again? um i feel almost under pressure to to start to start them again but it, it was the time it was the time because editing i mean the one with the when the wife calls and then i did another one which was um office gossip which was four minutes long and i mean i, I can't believe i got all of those people to watch a four minute video on linkedin that's yeah. just crazy yeah. I think it got over a hundred likes and probably the same amount of comments for a four minute video. It was yeah. mad. That I had a few people that had commented on it saying, I never thought I would watch a four minute video on LinkedIn, but I just had to watch this. I watched yeah. the first 30 seconds and I was just hooked. And I think I played like five different characters in that one as well. Yeah, I even put on funny. a Welsh accent in that. <laughs> yeah. um, well, that was the other thing is you made the characters as well. You didn't just play the parts. You kind of made them real characters, which was really fascinating. You know, you'd have a cap on in one and then yeah, another. Yeah. And, and no that, glasses. Yeah, and that yeah. stuff was just so clever. And so I think the other thing also, though, if, if, if I can say, is that sometimes even though that's kind of what defines you when people think about you, I think the pressure bit is is something to consider that you actually don't, shouldn't put yourself under the pressure of having to keep doing it and, and doing it that same way. I think yeah. it's about doing it quite spontaneously. You know, when yes. I post on LinkedIn, I rarely plan my content until I'm lying in bed, the alarm's gone off, and I'm thinking, what should I talk about today? Yeah. You know, Same. and they're the best posts, actually. So it's quite interesting, isn't it, when you think about all that pressure we put ourselves under. But yeah. you've got so much to repurpose. I, I don't think you need to be making videos for some yeah. time yet, really. <laughs> I've got a few there that I could definitely reshare. Yeah. Um, because yeah. we're a year down the line from when I shared most of them. And I've obviously got a lot of new connections in that time. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, a lot of people that are seeing stuff now that weren't seeing stuff exactly. a year ago which is a, a really crazy thing with LinkedIn at the moment I'm just not seeing so many of my connections content no. same um, but we that's a whole other topic that, that that could go on forever yeah we keep but, showing yeah. up Andy that's the key is just keep showing yeah. up I think you know? yeah so I just want to kind of, I mean, I could talk to you forever because, well, A, I can talk forever, but B, you're so interesting. I think one of the things I'd like to just be able to tell the listeners is in this role as the unconventional yep. boss, yep. Um, firstly, where did the name come from? I, I originally started a project called The Unconventional Dad. My eldest son is autistic and my wife and I found ourselves doing things maybe slightly differently from normal parents or parents without autistic children, just, just to try and get a response or to try and understand uh, what was going on in Jake's mind. A lot of people over the years have said to me that my style of management is not right. <laughs> They've said to me, oh, you're, you're, you're too involved with the team or you're too friendly or you know too much about them. And I disagreed with all of them and always have. It's kind of struck me that I'm in the minority because everyone thinks that this certain way of doing things is the conventional way. So that must make me unconventional. <laughs> but actually, the way I do things, in my mind, is the way that everyone should do things. So the, the, the project really is about changing an unconventional style into a conventional style that actually delivers better results. I love it. Andy, isn't that great? And, you know, again, so so many similarities. I'm kind of trying to do that with sales in so yeah. many ways, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I just love this, this whole concept. So if somebody who's listening is thinking, actually, do you know what? I've got a couple of managers. Uh, yeah. I really think it would be great if Andy could work with them. What, where do they need to go? How do they get in touch with you, Andy? They can either DM me on LinkedIn. That's probably the best way, email or LinkedIn. And then we can instantly arrange a, a call or, or a Zoom or whatever. It's, it's, it's business owners. It's high-end sort of senior people within those companies, small or large. You know, someone said to me the other day about startups. Perfect uh, example of a business owner that started a company. They've taken staff on. They need to release some pressure to staff that want the responsibility. They want to take it on. But they don't know how. You don't want to bring someone into the business full time and pay them some ridiculous sum of money to actually come and sit on their shoulder every, you know, all day long, because that's just going to annoy that person. You, these people that you put in these management positions, these junior management positions, they're already enthusiastic. Yeah. They're already bought into the business. So the last thing they want is this middleman coming in and just telling them and, and, and thinking they know better. Mm. What I do is work with them at a much more distant level just to sense check some of the stuff that they're doing to create structure for them to create time for the owner and then i just check in with the business owner every, whatever however regularly they define and i don't need to be in someone's business 40 hours a week to do that is it um, i mean i suppose at the moment i know the answer to this question but is it does it tend to be online that you're kind of chat with them and stuff yeah yeah so obviously everything at the moment because of the situation we're in um would be over the phone whether it's uh skype or zoom or or whatever or just old-fashioned picking up the phone and talking 
the one, the two guys that I'm, I'm working with at the moment, a lot of that has been phone and then follow-ups. So it might be that they've got a situation they want to discuss. We discuss it over the phone for 20 minutes or whatever. And then I will spend my a certain percentage of my evening back-ending that conversation as a document to send them so that they've always got that piece of, of, of information that they can reference back against on that conversation. Okay. Um, and that seems to be working really well for, for those two people. People by people, right? I know, you know, it's true. And we hear this, don't we? And people go, mm, that old one. But it's it true. is so true. It's so, so true. true. Um, and there's a reason why they want to work with you. And they've probably followed you for some time on your social media. And it just feels good. And it will yeah. be shared values and all those other things that we've already talked about, which is amazing. I think yeah. what's exciting about what you're doing, Andy, is it's just going to evolve. It's going to beautifully and organically evolve into what it needs to be and i absolutely yeah. love that about this project so um final kind of advice words to the listeners uh, from a man who has really trodden his career uh, for long periods of time and now is also setting out on another new venture and project yeah. what's your advice to somebody who's just starting out as a new manager my advice would be Whatever you feel is your benchmark of behavior based on managers you've had in the past, don't necessarily look at that as the way that you move forward. Bottom line, and there's lots of ways that you can get to this stage and working with me is definitely one of them. Your people are everything. If they don't want to get out of bed in the morning, you're stuffed. You have to create an environment where they wake up in the morning and don't mind logging on, mm. don't mind going into the... No one's going to jump out of bed and sing a song every morning. <laughs> that they have to want to get out of bed yeah. because too much of the UK population don't want to get out of bed in the morning. Yeah. And that's, that's because of the employer. Nine, nine times out of ten, that is based on the employer. It's not the job. Yeah. It's the people that they work for. Yeah, such a good point, Andy. Oh my goodness, I've loved our chat. It's so cool, isn't it? And I love what you're doing. I love all of your acting skills. I love your videos. I want all of the listeners to go and subscribe to your YouTube channel for That'd a starting point. We'll put the link in. And, and I can't wait to carry on watching your journey, Andy. Maybe there'll be a part two in a, a year or so when I'm still doing this podcast and you can come back and tell us where you're at. Oh, I'd love that. That'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. awesome. Thank you so much for joining me, Andy. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And listeners, I hope you are inspired by this fabulous man, because when you think about what he's done, he's been very brave. He tells me he's not courageous and he's not maverick. And yet he chooses to change the way we look at managing and leadership. There's some food for thought. Thanks for listening. Whatever platform you've listened to, Please like and subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud and Stitcher. And of course, you can watch our beautiful faces on YouTube. Until next time, ta-ta for now. You've just been listening to the Human Conversation podcast with Jules White. To find out more about the other work that Jules does, please visit her website, www.liveitloveitsellit.co.uk. 
And if you enjoyed the podcast, then please do leave a rating and review on the platform you use to enjoy her show. Thanks for listening and see you next time. <laughs>